the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Stefan Tubbs Show. Jimmy Sangenberger filling in for Stefan today here on News Talk 710-KNUS-303-696-1971 is, of course, our telephone number if you'd like to join in to the festivities. You can also text into the show on the 710-KNUS app on your smartphone. And there are a couple of ways to connect with yours truly on social media. One, tweet at me, 24-7-365. I'm at Sang Center. That's Sang with an E, not an A, Center on Twitter. You can also reach out and follow me on Facebook, facebook.com slash Jimmy Sangenberger Media Personality, or search, uh, excuse me, facebook.com slash Jimmy Sangenberger Pro, or search Jimmy Sangenberger Media Personality. And then there are a couple of ways to email directly to me. You can log on to 710knus.com and go to the Jimmy Sangenberger Show page, or Log on to jimmysangenberger.com, my website. That's all E's all the time. No A, I, or E in Sangenberger. Once you know that it's all E's all the time, well, and Sangenberger is E-Z. Of course, again, our telephone number, 303-696-1900. 71. We have much to do and much to discuss today. A week ago today, the United States Supreme Court heard a case on student loan forgiveness and Biden's student loan forgiveness scheme. It was fascinating. I listened to most of the oral arguments, and I've been wanting to sink my teeth into this. Unfortunately, I wasn't well on a Saturday, so we didn't do a live show then. And so I, I want to have today, and we will do this in the 6 o'clock hour, we will have on Professor Ilya Soman, law professor at George Mason University in Virginia. Uh, excellent perspective, always interesting. We're going to break down what happened last week in that student loan forgiveness oral argument before the U.S. Supreme Court. It will be a conversation like you probably haven't heard on this subject in this case yet before. That'll be coming up in the 6 o'clock hour. In the 5 o'clock hour on Sunday, there will be a, I think, very important Power to the Parents event as we see more and more Discussion of an advocacy for parental rights in education. I have the uh, honor of helping to emcee this event on Sunday, and we will have the uh, co-organizers of it on the program, Tamara Farah of FreedomWorks Parents Know Best, will join me along with Lori Gimmelstein, who is the executive director, founder of 
the Colorado Parent Advocacy Network, and they're both going to come on together in the 5 o'clock hour. We'll talk about parental rights, including this new bit of news. Very interesting. From the National Review, Jim Jordan subpoenas National School Board officials over request for federal crackdown on parents. This came on Monday, and it was aimed at senior executives of the National School Boards Association as part of an investigation into the organization's push to have the Biden administration crack down on parent protesters who, you'll recall, they accused of engaging in domestic terrorism. Remember that? Kudos to Jim Jordan and the House Judiciary Committee, which he chairs, for looking into this directly. They demanded that the former NSBA interim executive director, Chip Slavin, and the current treasurer secretary of the organization, Viola Garcia, provide documents and testimony before Congress about their efforts to target parents critical of woke school board policies. That's pretty big, and hopefully we will get some distinct answers from Congressman Jordan's efforts here. I mean, calling parents domestic terrorists was absurd, but it was also just plain wrong. So we'll dive into this and more coming up with Tamara Farah and Lori Gimmelstein in the next hour as well. And we've got lots to talk about locally and otherwise. Uh, We will touch a bit on, you know, what I think are takeaways, and you're welcome to offer your takeaways from this January 6th video Tucker Carlson revealed uh, last night on Fox News. Um, I I think it it raises questions about the Democrat narrative, but beyond that, it doesn't really do much for me. I don't really, I'm sort of like, I'm over this. I'm done with it. We'll get to that coming up in just a bit, though, because top of this hour, I want to talk about a candidate for mayor who was under fire for numerous accounts now and allegations of having a toxic workplace culture. At least Axios and Denverate, I'm not sure if others have yet picked up on this, but I saw pieces in the last day or two from Axios, the national publication, and Denverite about this. Uh, and that is in regards to Leslie Herod, candidate for mayor of Denver, who is now being lambasted by... Many uh, anonymously through these publications for a toxic work environment. And it's quite striking when you read through these reports about Herod and how she conducts herself as a leader when it comes to her staff in the state house representative. So Leslie Herod, if you don't know, is... A member of the state house has been since 2016. She's a leading member of the state house, one of the most influential members. And she also just so happens to be a longtime mentor of none other than Colorado's biggest racist, Tay Anderson. And so that helps a little bit to understand how 
Tay Anderson on the Denver School Board can be the way that he is when you have a mentor like Leslie Herod, who has been coaching you along the way and providing support for you and defending you and pushing away criticism from you. So this article from Denverite is particularly interesting. It's by Ben Marcus, and he reports that it was 2017 and Kaylee Browning was struggling to hear. Browning was working as an aide for Democratic State Representative Leslie Herod, who is running for mayor of Denver. Browning said she had tumors near her ear that made it difficult to hear what Herod was saying in their cavernous office in the Capitol. At one point, Herod was like, why can't you hear me, said Browning, who felt it was mocking, kind of like the head nod attitude about it, and it was something I couldn't get a hold of. Browning said several months earlier that she had taken leave from Herod's campaign to have surgery for the issue. Despite the surgery, Browning still had difficulty hearing. She lost her health insurance when she went to work at the Capitol and couldn't afford hearing aids until after the session. She described her work with Herod as less policy and politics and more waiting on Herod. Aides were constantly getting food and coffee and flowers, fronting the costs at times. Note that. Constantly getting her food and coffee and flowers and fronting the costs at times. Occasionally, they didn't get paid back for days or weeks. Other former aides are divided on how Herod managed them. Some say they, too, were asked to wait on her or go beyond their listed job description. Others say Herod was a tough boss that got things done and demanded more of her staff. Herod is seeking one of the most powerful political jobs in Colorado mayor of Denver. A position with vast control over the 13,000-person workforce, the budget and cabinet appointments. Finding competent staff and supporting and engaging them is critical to the functioning of the city. Oh, yes, it most certainly is. Well, this Browning lady, she says to Denverite, quote, it was rough. It was really rough. She was very mean. I don't remember, like, yelling so much. It's like you have poor critical thinking skills, like degrading to the point of you just could not do right by this individual. Throughout the 2017 session, Browning said Herod alienated her staff. And in the last day, they didn't celebrate together like other lawmakers and aides. Dejected by the experience, Browning left politics for good on the last day of that session. It's working for Leslie Herod, taught this liberal Democrat to get out of politics and not continue to be involved in politics isn't that something now this article is interesting because denverite says that they spoke to other aides and lawmakers who spoke on condition of anonymity so they didn't want to give their names publicly because they were fearing reprisal isn't that a common theme whether you're talking about leslie harrod or tay anderson her mentee there is a constant fear of reprisal 
that could happen. So you don't want to speak out publicly. Now, they didn't want specific incidents published because it would identify who said it. Now, of course, Herod denies these things. I would never and have never mocked anyone for any type of disability. In fact, my mom was a host home for people living with developmental disabilities throughout my high school life. We've always been open and accepting as a family when it comes to not only acknowledging and seeing people with disabilities, but fighting for them. That was in response to Denverite. Now, it's notable here because you have a candidate who is running for mayor who has managed to dodge significant criticism. As Denverite writes, Herod is a gay black woman with power on the cutting edge of progressive policy in Colorado. The cutting edge, right. The cutting edge of progressive policy. Quite a phrase uh, phrase there, as though there's something cutting edge about progressive policy when really it's regressive statism and that's all it is. Many of her allies say that makes her a convenient target of criticism. And then goes on to talk about some right-wing examples of criticism. Well, she doesn't really get criticism from the left. Democrats don't normally lob criticism against Leslie Herod, just like they don't against, say, Tay Anderson. Because in both instances, they excel. They are experts at weaponizing claims of racism and anti-blackness against their opponents. And no Democrat wants to be falsely accused of racism. So rather than pushing back with the possibility of false accusations of racism leveled against them, because it's weaponized so effectively by Herod or by Anderson, they just don't bother criticizing them. Because they can't deal with it. And so they find other vehicles to extend their criticism to i've talked with democrat sources in regards to tay in particular who have said i'm glad you're writing about these things because i can't speak out publicly because if i do i'm going to be accused of racism and it's going to sting they're so good at it like this is not me being uh, you know just throwing out there the idea oh maybe they're scared of being called racist i've been told this by Democrats who are fearful of speaking publicly against people like Tay Anderson or Leslie Herod. Now, Axios confirms this whole situation in terms of their own interviews. In interviews with Axios, Herod's colleagues and associates shared similar experiences while working with her during her six-plus years at the Capitol. They use the same words to describe a toxic work environment, with some suggesting her behavior amounted to verbal harassment and others calling it inappropriate. A Latino advocacy organization confirmed it no longer assigns interns to work in Herod's legislative office after two of its fellows reported experiencing an unhealthy work environment. Herod's former colleagues and associates spoke to Axios on the condition of anonymity because they feared retribution. So, 
You have Axios and you have Denverite separately reporting similar things. And by the way, um, I've spoken with at least one former Democrat legislator who has shared uh, references to similar sentiments about when, when staff worked with her staff and so forth, these sentiments of the way Herod operates were echoed by this former legislator. So, to me, it seems that this is an instance of where there's smoke, there's fire. Leslie Herod consistently operates with a hostile work environment. Offering up a toxic workplace. And that's just with legislative staff, which is only a few people each session. And yet these are consistent sentiments that apparently go back to her very first term of office in 2017, the, her very first session in office in 2017. So what does that mean for a candidate for mayor? Well, certainly it is disqualifying. It is yet another thing that you can add to the list about Leslie Herod and reasons that she's got to go. You know, she is participating in this fair elections fund, getting taxpayer dollars to finance her campaign in a, in a nine to one match. So any donations that she gets up to $50 get multiplied by nine. You get turned $50 into $500. Well, she and this is legal. But she spent over $20,000 in fair elections fund money on an attorney named Mario Nicholas. Mario Nicholas is legal counsel for the Lincoln Project. And at least one of the things that he did for Herod was go after a small community group called Safe and Clean Denver, a small grassroots organization. We had their founder, Craig Arfston, on my show a few months back, my Saturday show. And they went after, Leslie Herod hired Mario Nicholas to go after this small grassroots group that had spent like $1,000 total on anything Anything, not just anything political, but anything that they were doing and ended up getting them fined $250 for not having disclaimer on their website. And this is after, well, this came down, this ruling came down the same week that Leslie Harrod's Congress or uh, state house campaign had her fine that she'd gotten from the Secretary of State's $15,200 for not filing a personal finance disclosure that's required. She got a fine of $15,200 waived down to $50. One-fifth of the amount she got this Safe and Clean Denver group fined for. Really shows you a lot about the character of a person, doesn't it? And it helps add more believability to these reports from Axios and Denverite about a 
toxic workplace culture under Leslie Herod. What are your thoughts on this? Give me a call, 303-696-1971. We've got lots more that we'll discuss as well. I might have one or two more points to add on to this as we move ahead on the program. We will talk a little bit about the January 6th video. I'll just share a bit why I don't think it matters, and I would rather we move on. You can give us your thoughts, too. 303-696-1971. That's 303-696-1971. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger, filling in for Stefan Tubbs on Denver's local talk leader, News Talk, 710 KNUS. Welcome back. Jimmy Sangenberger in for Stefan Tubbs. I asked Leroy to plug this tune in called Trouble Town by the great Joe Bonamassa for two reasons. One is a sad one. The guy behind the bass line for this tremendous song, and you could just hear right in the beginning, that bass opener was awesome. Michael Rhodes is his name. He passed away at the age of 69 over the weekend. One of a handful of big losses in the music business over the past week alone. And I wanted to pay a little tribute and extend my wishes that Michael Rhodes will rest in peace. I've seen him live at Red Rocks with Joe Bonamassa, and he's played with so many incredible musicians. And he was a tremendous, tremendous bass player. And I mean, the the list goes on for who he recorded with Hank Williams Jr. and Toby Keith and Faith Hill and Kenny Chesney and Steve Winwood, Vince Gill, Dolly Parton, so many others. May Michael Rhodes rest in peace. Reason number two I wanted to play Trouble Town, because Denver is a troubled town. I mean, you think about all the trouble that The city is going through, especially with the likes now of a Leslie Herod running to be the mayor of Denver with quite clearly a background in overseeing a toxic workplace with a small staff in the State House of Representatives. And that is it. And yet now you are getting reports from multiple outlets Anonymous claims for the most part, but multiple outlets saying, look, here's my experience. She's been abusive. She's been mean. She's led an unhealthy work environment. She's mistreated her staff. The list goes on. And again, this is at least two outlets, Axios and Denverite. And she's running for mayor of Denver and arguably one of the leading candidates. And she is very influential, prominent candidate or prominent member of the House. So... She needs this scrutiny, and it's good that she's getting it, and everybody needs to be aware of this. That's what's happening in Denver with Leslie Herod 
in that troubled town running for mayor of the city. By the way, speaking of trouble in Denver, you have, you have here in Denver, a crisis in Denver public schools with school safety. The school board eliminated school resource officers in 2020, then the next year put in a disciplinary matrix that severely limited the instances in which DPS, Denver Public School Safety, could call on police, significantly limiting those instances when they could make the calls, requesting the police come to a campus. And tying the hands of, I mean, you look, if you have any amount of damage to the building, a school building that a student does, they can't call the police. Taxpayers will have to bear the burden of that. That's one of the insane aspects of this discipline matrix. And of course, both things, that and the school resource officers being removed, was spearheaded by Leslie Harrod Mentee, Colorado's biggest racist, Tay Anderson. What we learned last week, very tragically, that the student who was shot outside East High School a few weeks ago, 16-year-old student, had passed away. A teenage student who had been shot outside his high school died. And, of course, you would think that would lead to discussions about, okay, what do you need to do on campuses when this is just the latest instance of a shooting? In fact, the day that that shooting at East High School happened, another shooting exchange happened between an adult and a student outside the Emily Griffith campus that is home to DPS headquarters. The very same day, in fact, 20 minutes later, they've been finding guns in schools, sometimes with the serial numbers scratched off. Often, these are stolen guns. And yet, rather than having a meaningful discussion about those things that would discourage kids from coming to school with weapons or that would encourage greater discipline rather than saying we need to restore student resource op- school resource officers onto campuses, what are Tay Anderson and his buddy Scott Esserman, another at-large board member, doing? Well, this coming Saturday, they will be holding a community meeting on school safety in partnership with Moms demand action. Folks, it's not about what to do on campuses. It is about gun control. Because those kids that are already stealing guns from their parents and are involved in gangs are going to follow the gun control laws. Not so fast. I don't think so. 
It will be March 11th, this Saturday, 11 a.m., and their promotional materials talk about how there's an opportunity to discuss strategies for ensuring the safety of our children in schools, including gun violence prevention, mental health support, and emergency preparedness. Don't miss this chance to be part of the conversation. And it is at Manual High School. So feel free to go attend the Student Safety Community Meeting if you are a Denver resident, especially if you're a Denver parent. At Manual High School, 11 a.m., March 11, 2023. Because if you go, maybe you'll be one to ask them about school resource officers and actual efforts to improve safety on campus that could work and maybe enforcing discipline instead of weakening it like Tay Anderson and Scott Esserman want to keep doing in DPS. I mean, come on. Turning this into a political gun control issue as the legislature, by the way, tries to jam through a slew of gun control measures, including making it so that if you're between the ages of 18 and 21, you can't buy a firearm. That's one of their new bills. And that's what they want you to do to address unrelated issues at campuses. When we're talking about guns being stolen from parents, for example, and gang violence. These are the kind of people who aren't going to abide by the gun laws, and you're not going to make it more difficult for them to get access to firearms. They're going to no matter what. Your duty on the school board is to prevent them or discourage them from bringing those firearms to campus where they could intimidate other students or maybe hurt somebody. 303-696-1971. What are your thoughts on anything that's going on in the world today? Let's go to Jeff in Littleton. Good afternoon, Jeff. You're on with Jimmy in for Stefan. Hey, uh, Jimmy, how are you doing? You're doing great. Thank you very much for uh, doing a great job for Stefan. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's good to be here. So what's hey, on your mind? Hey, these uh, real quick before I get to my main point, these progressive libertards, you know, they keep coming out with more and more rules, uh, gun control rules, and all we get is more and more shootings. You know, what I would suggest is maybe uh, comprehensive gun classes starting at a very early elementary school level, gun safety, yes. uh, gun knowledge classes. And, you know, you would see these uh, shootings, I uh, would predict, go down uh, drastically, you know, in, in no time. You know, the, I, I do think that's an important point. And, you know, there's a lot of interesting research that is done about you put a group of uh, four or five-year-old kids um, into a room and you have an unloaded but real firearm there. Saw that. And, and they can do these experiments where you have, or, or maybe it's not a, a real firearm, but it looks like a real firearm, depending. And those kids who have been trained on gun safety will go tell the adult that's in the room. Those kids that haven't been will pick it up and they will play with it like it's a toy. And they'll shoot, yeah, they'll aim it and shoot it at their friends a yes. lot of times. I saw that study. Um, but real quickly, what I wanted to get to, uh, just on a lighter note, uh, the past 
not live notes, it's the guy passed away, but one of my favorite musicians, I got to meet him a number of times, David Lindley. Uh, what a talent, yes. and we lost him this past week. Uh, people don't realize him, but, you know, he was at that heart of the um, soft rock Southern California scene uh, with the Eagles, um, you know, Jackson Brown, and he just played with everybody. Uh, he could play yeah. anything with a string. One, the Tapania Canyon, uh, Tapania Canyon banjo, con uh, banjo contest as a kid. Uh, probably played on the early uh, Leonard Cohen al album, his first album. Uh, and no one's even ever heard of him. He would go into his room, you know, and play his oud and his mandolin when everyone else was partying. Yeah, you know, I saw that news as well. He passed away on, uh, what was it? Was it Thursday or Friday? The, yeah, the third. Of last week. I think it was Friday. Yeah, the third of, of last week. And I found out because Warren Haynes posted about him. Of course, Warren Haynes was in the Allman Brothers Band, his government mule, one of the best guitar players alive, quite frankly. And he said it in part that David Lindley was a true stylist and a unique voice on whatever instrument he picked up. His lap steel playing that. in particular was a big influence on me. I watched that. And if anyone has ever heard the Jackson Brown song Stay, that's him on the slide guitar. And then it was just a, everyone cracked up when he did it. We stepped out and did that falsetto voice on that song mm. today by Jackson Brown. Yeah. Um, it was, and, um, you know, Bonnie Ray, there's that concert with Bonnie Ray, Jackson Brown, yep. uh, Sean Colvin up at Red Rocks. Where they, they made a special point just to highlight yeah. him. Yeah. No, Jeff, a, a big loss. I appreciate the call, my friend. Thank you uh, for for sharing that, making sure we talked a little bit about David Lindley, who passed away on Friday of last week. Then we lost Michael Rhodes, who I was just talking about, the extraordinary bass player, on Saturday the 4th. And then the next day, and we'll pay tribute to him coming up, Gary Rossington of Leonard Skinner passed away. Three in a row. My goodness. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger filling in for Stefan Tubbs. 303-696-1971. Our telephone number. We'll pick it up on the other side. 710-KNUS. It's a Tuesday. Tuesday's gone seems pretty apropos when you're talking about the passing of Gary Rossington, the last surviving member of Leonard Skinnerd, one of the greatest bands of all time. Dead at the age of 71. He passed away on March 5th, Sunday. And it's it's just so stunning to think about how you have such a legendary band and now none of the original members are around today. May Gary Rossington and the rest of the boys from the original group of Leonard Skinner all rest in peace. Now, Leonard Skinner, I hope they'll continue with their tour. They're supposed to come to Fiddlers along with ZZ Top, which now really, speaking of original members, only has Billy Gibbons, awesome guitarist. Uh, that's August 7th, which is the same night as well that Government Mule is playing at Red Rocks, and the night after Joe Bonamassa plays at Red Rocks on the 6th of August. So lots coming to Denver when it comes to, in Colorado when it comes 
to music this summer. We will play some Skinnered bumpers throughout the show. I have requested to the incredible Leroy Duffenbaugh, our producer extraordinaire on the program, uh, to, to play some Skinnered in honor of Rossington and the boys who are now no longer around from the original Leonard Skinnered. Of course, our telephone number, 303-696-1971. Coming up in the next hour, top of the hour, we'll talk with Tamara Farah and Lori Gimmelstein about parents' parental rights and their Power to the Parents event that's being put on, co-hosted by Freedom Works, Power to the Parents, and the Colorado Parent Advocacy Network this coming Sunday. Very important to, especially if you are yourself a parent, to understand what you can do, what steps you can take action items to affirm parental your parental rights. They are under attack in K-12 through schools today. Make no mistake about it. Make no mistake about it. Now, we have received news, breaking news here today, about uh, that there had been four Americans that were kidnapped in Mexico, two were killed, two have returned, uh, apparently safely. Thank God for them. Um, And this is just more evidence of how horrible this is with the cartels and how much worse it's getting. And yet Alejandro Mayorkas insists that, well, he just won't answer that we have a crisis. Later, we'll play some audio of Alejandro Mayorkas in an interview where, once again, he's unwilling to acknowledge that we're in a crisis. Listener text coming in. For the Americans kidnapped and two killed in Mexico, where are Al Sharpton or BLM? If a cop accidentally killed one, rioters, or w- killed one, riots would be scheduled immediately. Another text coming in here. The first time I saw Leonard Skinner was in a little bar downtown called Ebbets Field. Amazing. Wow. Lucky, lucky you. One of the great bands. I I remember seeing them at Red Rocks when I was 16. Now, of course, it was far from the original incarnation, but it was awesome. My dad took me to see it and see them, and they brought down a disco ball and the lights bouncing off the Red Rocks walls and everything. It was absolutely incredible. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger filling in for Stefan Tubbs on Denver's local talk leader, News Talk 710 KNUS, two hours up ahead, 303-696-1971. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. 
Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.